It's time for the car doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems on this Saturday morning. It's a weird morning. When I got up this morning, well, I don't know. When I went to bed last night, it was cold. I got up this morning, it was cold. Windshield was all frosty when I left the house this morning. The brakes are worn out on my Hyundai, which are only a year and a half old. Um, so I guess the good news is, the weather's not going to be terrible when I get home. I can replace the brake pads in my car, I suppose. Just pay somebody to do it. <laughs> That's a lot well, of work. Well, it, it is. And uh, and the other thing is it's trying to – I kind of want to get it done to this weekend. So that makes it a little harder to do. Meineke, I don't know. What I don't else know. They my, bring well, it in. My, my brother-in-law might be able to do it. So we're, we're, working, we're working on that angle, too. So I don't, it's I don't know. It's still cold on the ground, man. Yeah, I know. It's Yeah, but maybe it'll be 50. It'll be like It'll be 50 in the air on the ground. It's going to be He's still 32. <laughs> yeah. 20, something like that. Yeah. So uh, so that, uh, it's, been a, it's been a ridiculously busy week. I was, uh, I was down in uh, Hanover at the... Uh, Cardinal Cushing Residences. I gave a little talk down there on Monday. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a great group of little people. I was right around here in Quincy over at the Kennedy Center, the Council on Aging over here, and talked to a group of people. And, uh, and that's going to appear at some point on cable TV because the Quincy Cable folks, um, who are great people, by the way, were over there and they filmed the whole thing. So there may be bits and pieces that show up on Quincy Cable. Sorry, Dennis, if you have to see me on cable. I don't. I don't have cable anymore. Oh, that's I have right. PlayStation oh, View. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. a cord cutter. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. I forgot. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you could. And even and I was when I was talking to the guys at Quincy Cable, I said something about Have you ever you guys ever considered a low power transmitter so you could actually do over the air stuff. And uh, they looked into it, but it, I guess it just didn't seem particularly cost-effective to do it. So, no, it is a little yeah. expensive. I love Quincy Cable; yeah. they're, they're fabulous people. Yeah. But that's not. Well, yeah. yeah, I yeah. could go on and on from them, but I won't. So. Well, and, and you could go on and on about why you hate cable. They're just too expensive. It that's, is. That's the biggest. My biggest biggest knock on cable is they're too expensive. Yeah, I I um the, my little uh, tin house in Florida, um, I have an antenna nailed up to a pole. And I get about I get about eight stations or ten stations, and for a place that I'm only going to use a few times a year, until someday when I use it, hopefully if it doesn't blow away by the time I get to use it, um, the uh, you know then maybe I'm going to consider doing something else. But right now that's not the case. So, um, and uh, it is it constantly goes up. I have FiOS at my house, and every time I turn around, it it was the the weirdest thing with FiOS was. Um, or Comcast, I don't remember. One of them I had a two-year contract with, and it went up after a year. And I said, well, I thought I had a two-year contract. And they're like, well, you are. You can't get out of it for two years. But that didn't mean we weren't going to raise the price. I'm like, 
Oh, maybe I missed that in the fine print. So. They all I, they all do it. Every because yeah, you work for Comcast. For I a while, did. Right? I yeah. did work for Comcast briefly. Um, fabulous company to work for. Uh, they treat their employees great. Um, it's hard work, um, but they um their contract Comcast. They all do it. It started with um direct tv i think yep. where the first year you got one rate and you're locked into a two-year contract and they say for 99 dollars for the first year and then the second year it goes up to like 150 dollars yeah. right, well this isn't the gripe about cable show but it yeah, could no. be. but it could be it could be um yeah that's why i had uh, i had dish network and uh and then i got an hd tv and i wanted a, a new box and they said well you have to commit for another like five-year commitment or you can buy the box for a thousand dollars and i'm like why would i do that and I said, I've, had, I've been a customer for 10 years, and they, that's the best we can do. Crazy. Um, speaking of things that some people might think are crazy, uh, self-driving cars. Uh, what's your opinion about self-driving? Would you get in a self-driving car? I would. Yep. I would. Yeah. Yep. Well, you can. You can go down to the seaport, and you might catch a Lyft um, car with Newtonomy, who's doing some testing. They're kind of right in a very specific area. And if you go over to... Um, Weymouth at the former Weymouth Navy base, whatever that Southport or something, I think yeah, it's called. Yeah, something now. like that, yeah. Um, there, I didn't realize, I, I've driven through there a couple of times, but I guess there's almost 2,000 houses and apartments in there now. And there's a self-driving shuttle. There's a self-driving shuttle there? Yeah. Nice. It takes you to the T, you know, right around the corner. The name of it is Optimus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's not Optimus Prime. Well, it might be. I don't know. It's but uh, as a as a uh, sci-fi guy. Oh yeah. But yeah, it's called it's called. Uh, I think it's Optimus Ride hey. is the name of it. I'm gonna have to tell my 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 son's buddy who's a big Transformers fan. Yeah, there you go, there you go. But uh, AAA just came out with a survey, and almost a year ago uh, we did a survey, and back then eight out of ten U.S. drivers uh, felt afraid to ride in a fully self-driving vehicle. Today. Um, we did a new survey, and uh, 20 million additional drivers would trust a self-driving vehicle to take them for a ride. Uh, this survey revealed that still 63% of drivers still feel afraid of self-driving cars, but that's gone down from 78% in 2017. Um, I guess not a big surprise. Millennial male drivers are the most trusting of autonomous vehicles. So why not? Why not? Um Americans are starting to feel a little bit more comfortable. I mean, we're, we're just starting to starting to look at it. The problem, good and bad problems. Today, you can buy a car with sort of autonomous features in it. Something as simple, I mean, I guess if you wanted to be really particular about how you described it, windshield wipers that come on when it rains and speed up and slow down are sort of autonomous. Headlights that come on when it gets dark, sort of autonomous. Um, automatic emergency braking, not anti-lock brakes, but automatic emergency braking that will slam on the brakes if you're not paying attention. That's a self-driving feature. You're driving down the road and you put your cruise control on and a car pulls in front of you and the car slows down. Self-driving feature. You drift out of the lane. The car beeps and corrects and brings you back. Self-driving feature. All of these little features, I think, are getting us more comfortable with the time where we might want to take our hands off the wheel. Um, the problem is all those features don't work exactly perfect yet. Um, the um, the lane centering devices that keep you in the middle of the lane work really well as long as the lanes are well painted. Um, here in New England, 
We don't do a good job with that, and the roads are awful. Uh, it's pothole season early this year. Um, I drove over a pothole the other day that I was convinced was going to do something bad, and I must have hit it just right where it just rattled my teeth, but it wasn't. I stopped, I actually stopped to make sure I didn't do any damage to the tires. Um, but those those features work well in ideal conditions, but not in every condition, and that's one of the problems. That's one of the problems we have. Um, even even some of the systems like um, Subaru has a system called Eyesight. It's basically two cameras mounted up on the top of the dash, and it works well for automatic emergency braking and other systems. It doesn't work well in frigid cold weather. It doesn't work well if the windshield wipers didn't clean the, and I don't know why, in cold weather. Where is Subaru made? Indiana? No. Where, like, oh. where is their, isn't, what country are they, do they originate in? Japan. Oh. Yeah, no, they don't really get cold weather. There. They get snow. They, they, yeah, they, but they not, snow. they don't yeah. get frigid like. Yeah, you would think in Volvo? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, and Subaru, Subaru has um, this, this system called EyeSight, and in bright, bright sunlight, you like, Yesterday morning, the sun was low in the horizon and wicked bright. And that would be a characteristic where the system would just shut down because it's too bright. It essentially blinds the system. Um, So as good as the system is, it isn't a perfect system. So there are all these systems, but they are progressing. And um, you kind of look at the automotive industry in general. I mean, you know, cars have changed a lot in 100 years, but sort of the same technologies there. All of these autonomous features we have seen in, in the past five or six years, and the technology's developed really, really fast. Um, I was just talking to somebody, and we were talking about the 19, 1963 Cadillac. Uh, they had a uh, system that would turn the head high beams down when a car approached, and um, this, uh, this guy's Uncle Jerry would put his hat over the sensor so the high beams would stay on. So... It was one of those things that, you know, the systems are there. If you go on YouTube and you Google Chevrolet Parade of Progress, I think it is. If you go on YouTube and search. If search. you go on Google, oh, yeah, Google is right. a different yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. Isn't Google and search the same word? Sure. Yeah. Uh, but if you go on YouTube and search, uh, the second most popular search engine, by the way, is YouTube. Um the, uh, but if you go on YouTube and search GM Parade of Progress, you'll see a self-driving car or what they think the future was like. And it's probably the 50s or so. And it shows this couple sitting opposite each other like they were sitting at a table. And the car is driving down the road. And it's like, this is the, this is the future. It didn't get anywhere. So, um, you know, it, but, the, you know, the future will come. So it's interesting that people are starting to trust the systems a little bit more. What I think is going to happen, in my opinion, is that in inner cities like New York, D.C., places like that where there's a lot of connectivity, you're going to start seeing more and more autonomous vehicles. Um, and you'll see them like roundtable. They'll be like they'll be more round, like futuristic, like round, yep. and you'll because the, the doors will have the seats attached to them, so people can have meetings while they're driving. Mm-hmm. Um, in rural areas, like in the Midwest and stuff like that, it's going to be really hard to get autonomous vehicles, um, I think, because mm. the connectivity there. Um, I know that – is it is it Elon Musk that's doing the autonomous um, – Trucks. Trucks, yep. yeah. Oh, yeah. That that could be because there's, sat, there's there could be dedicated satellite 
things for those, but for individual cars and individual people out in those big, big plane areas, it's going to be really hard. Yeah, and, and it's a matter of how the systems work. Um, Elon Musk with the Tesla, for instance, uses a bunch of cameras, but is it a perfect system? It isn't. Um, the Google car, which is now Waymo, for whatever reason, is it, it very specifically maps everything first. Uh, I was at MIT a month ago, maybe, and the press association that I, that I belong to, uh, we're doing a conference like we have for the last seven or eight years, and this time it's autonomous vehicles, which we also did seven years ago. And as I was, um, I was supposed to meet someone there from the New England Motor Press and this guy, Paul Paravano from MIT. Paul Paravano is sort of the PR guy, I guess, for MIT, and he's blind. And I'm not sure what building to go to, but I parked in some parking garage and I'm walking lost basically and i'm walking along and i'm standing up on a uh, upper level parking area and i look down and i see this guy walking with a white cane so i kind of speed up and walk over next to him i yell to him hey paul paravano it's john paul how are you and he spins around he says hey john how are you and um and this is just me but he also said hey great to see you which just and uh he put his hand on the door of the building, and he went, this isn't the right building. We need to go one more building down. So he said, oh, do you mind taking my arm? And I said, I didn't. We walked to the building, and uh, we walked in, and we met Lisa, who we were supposed to meet, and the person from MIT. And then as we were leaving, we're walking. He asked us to walk him back to some building further, further down. And uh, we're walking, and I said to him, Paul, how do you do this? How do you know where to go. Do you just memorize it all? How's it work? And he said, yeah. He said, I have to kind of commit it to memory. And I said, but it's Cambridge. There, there's a construction zone that changes every eight minutes down here. And he said, well, yeah. He said, I have to walk until I sense that something's wrong, either just sensory or my cane. And then I kind of maneuver around it and then kind of keep going. And he's, And I said, so you work just how an autonomous vehicle would work, where the system is mapped out ahead of time, and then when something is not in the right place, you realize something's wrong, and you have to make up for it. And he said, and he kind of he kind of turned and went, yeah, machine learning, just like autonomous vehicles are going to work. And I just thought it was kind of fascinating, and he knew his way around Cambridge far better than I do, so. Uh, but but it's interesting how that technology is going to change. One technology that we're going to see change from Mercedes, Mercedes made an announcement uh, that they're not going to sell diesel cars in the United States anymore. Mercedes sold a, what I thought was a lot of diesels, but um, this actually comes from the oil um, reporting industry publication called Opus. And um, if you have a really good memory, we had Tom Closa. He's the head of Opus on probably a year and a half ago, to talk about what's going on in the oil industry. I wouldn't know that. Uh, I wasn't listening that well, day, so Yeah, that's okay. That's, well, I didn't mean you. <laughs> I meant you know, the audience. Um, and um, I actually tried to get him back on the program. He never, didn't respond to me. I'm hurt. Um, but uh, and I think he's in Florida, too. So, um, But there are reports that the automaker most associated with diesel-powered cars and uh, for more than 40 years will stop selling diesel-fueled cars soon. An interview with the Detroit Bureau quotes Mercedes 
uh, car group research and development head, something long German name, um, Ola something or other, as saying the new diesel engine that promises a powertrain meeting the toughest new European standards will not be marketed in the U.S., a lack of customer interest perhaps related to the backlash from Volkswagen cheating on emissions measurements is blamed. Uh, he also told the publication that diesel accounted for only 3% of Mercedes car sales in the U.S. and doesn't fit into its portfolio. The move follows cancellation of certification process on 2017 model year diesels in the United States. Diesel burning versions of the C-Class GLS SUV were scuttled as a result. Uh, surviving the cutback will be the Mercedes Sprinter van, which will continue to offer diesel powertrains. Many of the vans are produced in a production facility in South Carolina. While Mercedes' division on diesel is surprising, sources still estimate the automakers will have about 40 different diesel-powered light-duty vehicles available through the next few years, most notably the new diesel six-cylinder engine in the Ford F-150 truck. So we are seeing diesel spread out a little bit across some automakers, but Mercedes has opted that I guess they're not going to do them. So um, that's sort of interesting, although as someone who watches gas prices all the time, diesel prices are going higher and higher and higher, which is going to affect everything. People don't, because we don't buy diesel, we don't think about it, but everything you touch, everything you touch is delivered by a truck that probably runs on diesel. And if the cost of fueling that truck goes up, the cost of what you buy is going up. And uh, you talk to anybody who owns a restaurant, the cost of food is going up really high. And, you know, what restaurants are trying to do is they're trying to um, look at bringing some other things. So a lot of times drinks are, um, you know, beer and wine are going up in price because they figure people will still pay more to have a drink than they will for a meal. But when the entrees start to get expensive, and a lot of it has to do with their Delivered by diesel. That's just the way it is. Why don't we take a break? And when we come back, and I will admit this is a bit of a stretch, even for me. Um, but uh, we had the opportunity, I had the opportunity during the week to talk with uh, somebody from GMC and somebody from, um, well, somebody from a football manufacturer. <laughs> and how do they have something to do with the car show? Well, you'll find out in just a couple of minutes. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Austin. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Austin. You ought to bring a guitar in sometime. Are you any good? No. Oh, okay. No. Never mind. I think I'm okay in something things, but no, I can't. The only song that I can uh, quote. Stay away to, stay away to no, 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 no. Um, Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Oh, I can, okay. I can, I'm okay at best at that one. <laughs> you know, like, is, is it, is it, was it, uh, what was the movie with the two knuckleheads? Oh, Bill and Ted? Yeah. No. That one? 
Bill and Ted's Excellent is that Adventure. Where, is that where they had the sign in like the Guitar Center store that said "No Stairway yeah. to Heaven"? Oh no, no, that's um, 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 oh, Mike Myers. Yeah, um, yeah, those yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't think of what the yeah. excellent. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Them. So uh, yeah, so no stairway to heaven. No. Uh, <laughs> speaking of, speaking of something odd that I did this week, um, I was uh, I I was I tried to stay local because of where where my little talks were this week, and I went I stopped into the Zildjian Symbol Company. Um, nice place. Which the most fascinating thing about that place is it's it says. Established 1623 or something. It's like, whoo, it's a 400-year-old <laughs> company. And uh, and I went in, and a uh, uh, girl I work with, is uh, she's a she's a really talented musician. She plays a guitar. She plays a piano. And a year or so ago, maybe two years ago now, she bought a set of drums, and she's trying to teach herself how to play the drums. So I bought her a T-shirt, and... Uh, and I'm not sure if she really likes Zildjian symbols that much, um, but uh, while I was there, they have a bunch of drum sets set up, and like Beatles and Green Day, and and I guess they actually they, they played play them. Those yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, and uh, Avita Zildjian's Morgan, kind of a cool car, is in the lobby, and the person that was kind of the receptionist slash little store owner run person that ran the little store i said to her oh can somebody help me i just want to get a t-shirt and she said oh yeah sure and um and i was telling her about the person i work with and i said you know she's really trying to teach herself how to play the guitar i, I mean try to how to play the drums and she's um you know she's a, a great photographer and really talented talented person i said but a huge music fan in fact she has um i forget who it is now i think deborah harry's face tattooed on her arm Okay. So, uh, one of her one of her people that she has gotten to meet and like was starstruck. Um, but uh, and she said, "Oh yeah, so you know, you ought to have her come by because we'll you know we do tours a couple times a year and we actually make symbols during the tour so you can watch it." And then she gave me two sets of drumsticks too. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah. So I bought the T-shirt and I got two sets. So I basically got. Either a T-shirt for free or drum or drumsticks for free, but either either way. And she's like, no, no, if, you know, if she's really if she really likes doing this, she'll like it. And two different kinds, um, which I thought was was very nice. And just a just a nice place. I mean, the place is just kind of. I th- yeah, I think it's, nice. it's a nice little factory. Yeah, and fascinating that it's they've been in business since sixteen something or other. So yeah, not always there. Not always there. No, no, I don't. I don't know. And there's there's actually have you ever heard of Sabian? Sabian, yeah, my yeah. my my the 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 quote unquote band that I'm still kind of in. Um, <laughs> that you only play one song? No, we no they no I don't play guitar. I sing in that. Oh, okay. Um, well, I do play on some songs, but that's yeah, that's beside yeah. the point. Yeah. Um, and um, he uses Sab- Sabian, yeah. Sabian, 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 yeah, Sabian. Sabian. Yeah. They're related. Yeah, this. they had a falling out. Yeah, and that's yeah. why Sabian yeah. exists. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And they, and when they had the falling out, it was actually maybe in the last thirty or forty years mm-hmm. because one of the Sabians used to come in when I worked at Sullivan Tire. One of the Sabians used to come into Sullivan Tire to get his car service. Yep. So it was it just so just weirdly a little fascinating. And I guess you know some really high level musicians come in there and try out symbols. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you got our recording ready. I do. All right. For all the right reasons, the Patriots are at the Super Bowl. Woo! 
And if you watch football, you know GMC is a big sponsor. And this week I had the opportunity to talk with Alicia Bidwell of GM and Daniel Hare of Wilson Sporting Goods. And my question was, how do aerodynamics affect both Wilson footballs and the GMC terrain? And they said... Um, yeah, so... Um... Both, both the car and uh, football need to perform uh, aerodynamically, and uh, we thought this was a cool story just because, you know, GMC has had a, a long-standing relationship with uh, Monday Night Football, and, you know, we love the football game, and our customers do too, and then also, you know, Wilson and their footballs are definitely a huge part of that game, so we thought it would be fun to pull that together and, and put the terrain and the Wilson footballs uh, together in one article, and uh, do they do they both undergo wind tunnel testing? Uh, well, so for our cars, we definitely do test in the wind tunnel, and uh, I'll let Daniel talk about uh, the football. Football standpoint, we've done a lot of testing in the past, and wind tunnel, we've done uh, computational fluid dynamics or CFD. We've done uh, motion capture analysis, so just kind of a full spectrum as you do our testing stuff, and. Uh, and as far as even things like, I mean, obviously a, a football has to be an official football, but even the material it's made out of can affect the aerodynamics and the shape and the design, and I assume that's the same thing with the terrain, right? Uh, yes, we, de- we definitely uh, want to make sure we pick the, the right materials that put on the outside of the vehicle. Uh, the smoother the surface, the, the better the air flows over it. Uh, so, so we're really uh, cognizant when we're we're building it that we minimize gaps and, and keep all the surfaces nice and smooth. Now, all of the and this is almost too easy to say, but all of the all of the GM vehicles have have tire pressure monitoring system in it. Have we done that with footballs yet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we are always continuing to strive for excellence in everything that we do, and uh, our, our engineering efforts are always top tier. So we feel good about it. So so as far as uh, you know, as far as uh, any any questionable uh, uh, football pressure ratings during the big game, uh, you got you guys are comfortable with uh, what your footballs can do, right? Yeah. If people want more information about uh, Wilson, uh, where can they get where can they get information? I mean, it's a it's a name that's uh, been legendary. Where can they get more information about uh, maybe the big game or footballs in general or any of your sporting equipment? It's straightforward. It's Wilson.com has uh, a ton of information about the football, the products themselves, our wide spectrum of products that we manufacture for all different types of leagues and sports, and uh, a lot of information out there and YouTube and just all over the place. And as and as far as the terrain, which is uh, certainly one of the most popular GM GM products right now, right? Uh, yeah, it's uh, selling really well, and uh, it's a great midsize SUV for you know anyone from a you know just a, a young person to a whole family. And um, you can find out all sorts of information on GMC.com, and information on uh, all the vehicles and and dealer information and all of that. So uh, we're really excited about it uh, coming out this year and seeing a lot of them on the road already uh, here in Detroit. Now, are you are, looking at the customer, you said young families, single people, um, a lot of uh, midsize and smaller SUVs uh, appeal to uh, empty nesters as well. Are you looking at that as part of your customer base as well? Yeah, I think we're trying to kind of hit across the market with, with this car. I actually drive the old generation uh, train, so I, I love it and can't wait to get in a new one. Yeah. 
No, sounds like a good thing. Now, I need to have, I need to be able to hear both of you say, go Pats. Uh, you know, as a Michigan person, <laughs> I do like Tom Brady, so I, I'll give you that one. All right. How about I say, go football? Uh, okay. All right. I guess you have to be neutral. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose the Wilson guy can't pick a team. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We know what that means here in New England. Well, it, it's it's <laughs> funny. One of my coworkers in New Jersey, and and because I'm not a sports guy, maybe you can help me. Why does everybody hate Tom Brady? Because he's the pretty boy who um, is the. It's like the Red Sox fans who hate Yankee, the Yankees. It's they always win. They. I mean, I understand it. Um, also, that he quote unquote cheated. Oh. Um, the whole Deflate Gate because and one, one, of, one of my coworkers, Shawnee Javis, she. She's a coworker of mine in New Jersey, and she's like, "I hate Tom Brady, and my father paid for play, played for the Patriots." I'm like, "How can your father have played for the Patriots and you hate Tom Brady?" Who was her dad? What's her last name? Jarvis. Uh, how old is she? Roughly? She's probably forty. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, is she married? Is it? Is that her married name? I don't name? think so. Okay, I don't I'm think trying so. to. I don't All know. right, we'll we'll we'll, go, we'll, we'll Google. Google that. <laughs> But anyway, so um, a little bit of a stretch how aerodynamics of footballs and aerodynamics to the GMC terrain go together. But with the Super Bowl just uh, just uh, seven sleeps away, six sleeps away, seven, seven it's Sunday, yeah. a week from yeah. tomorrow, yeah. and you know where I stole that line from. So no, I don't. no, no, you don't. No, no, oh, all right. Never mind. What, what? No, 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 yeah. no. We can't. Yeah. We don't play that way. <laughs> <laughs> I stole it from LB. Oh yeah, yeah, LB, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. okay, yeah. Yeah. sleeps, uh, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um, there, there are all kinds of uh, window tinting laws now, and why there isn't kind of a universal law. You see cars with tinted windows all the time. By the way, the phone lines are open. I forgot to even give out the phone number six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. We have we have nothing specifically going on. Until 9.30 when we're going to be talking to Mike Pennington from McGuire's. And you know what that means. If we have somebody on from McGuire's, coming up later is McGuire's stuff to give away. So, not today. That's not today? Not today. today. You're safe today. Also coming up in the not-too-distant weekends, um, we'll be giving away tickets to the AAA Travel Marketplace, which is going to be March 10th, I think. So, or maybe the 3rd. One or the other. Getting a march. And this year, I thought I was ready. This year, AAA Travel Marketplace doesn't happen the same weekend as the Irish St. Patrick's Day Parade on Cape Cod, which I've only been to once. And I said, oh, great. I can go join Matt down the Cape and do my show before the Irish Hit Parade. And I committed to giving a talk in Middleborough that same day, so... I have to leave here and get right to Middleborough so I can't go to the Cape and hang out at the parade. And I did enjoy sitting at Captain Parker's and and getting watching the parade get ready. So it was fun. But um, it's interesting how the laws on window tinting change. Uh, here in Massachusetts, you need to have 35%. Uh, well, the way it works, if you're looking to get your windows tinted, or even tinting them yourself, you might want to double-check window tinting laws, as many regulations uh, vary from state to state. The terminology, you'll need to understand what all of it means. 
Visible light transmission is a measurement used to assess automotive window tints. This is the amount of visible light that gets through either the film or the window plus the film. Uh, The lower the visible light transmission, the darker the tint. So in Massachusetts, for instance, you can have a 35% visible light transmission. Oddly enough, in the District of Columbia where you figure it's hotter and sunnier, it's 70%. In Hawaii, it's about where ours are. In Florida, it's a little darker than what we see here, but it varies all over. Iowa, for instance, and I have no idea why, but Iowa is 70% visible light, so they want almost no tinting. Um, Minnesota, a little bit more light through than us. Mississippi, a little bit darker. Montana, a little bit darker. Um, but it varies all over the place. So in Massachusetts, you can have, it's 35% visible light transmission. So fairly dark in the scheme of things. Go right over the border in Massachusetts, in Rhode Island, half as much. So so what does that mean? Does that mean if you get pulled over in Rhode Island and you have Massachusetts plates, they can cite you for having your tint too dark no, in Rhode Island? No, but what can happen is if you buy a car that was registered in Massachusetts, and you bring it to Rhode Island, and you put Rhode Island plates on it, you could get pulled over, and they could say the tint's too dark. And then you got to figure out, is the tint too dark because you added tint, or did you actually buy darker-tinted windows, which some enthusiasts will do? And if that's the case, now what do you do? So you're, you you got to change the glass. So it becomes a real problem. So it's interesting the, how those laws change from state to state. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. One of the other places I talked to or with this year. Can I ask another question about tinted glass? Because I'm looking at my vehicle Yep. where the back is tinted. Yes, And that's from the factory, but Mm -hmm. the, the front is not. That's correct. So does that change anything about how, because how do they, how does the factory know state to state? where that vehicle is going to end up. SUVs are exempt. SUVs are exempt. F- from the back windows backwards. Oh, back windows okay. Back. Yeah. Yeah. So driver's window has to meet the same rules as any other passenger car, but the rear windows and the rear side windows, when you get way back, they can, they're, they're exempt. So you could, you could, in essence, paint the windows black and have no light going through them. If it was a passenger car, uh, then it's a little different. Then it has to meet the same standard all the way across. You can put a darker four-inch border across the top of the windshield, so like a sunshade kind of thing. But um, it's the same 35% transmission uh, in the rear and side windows. But, yeah, SUVs are exempt. So now that makes sense to me why I see. Yeah. which ahead. is why you'll see a lot of, if you kind of look out in the parking lot, uh, almost any SUV. And if you look at our, uh, our uh, radio DJ car, radio lose car out there, the rear windows are actually uh, wrapped in a in a film, so you can't see in at all. I bet that's Bobby Brooks. Let's see if I'm right. I'm just curious. No, no, I was wrong. Okay. It's interesting. I can see our buddy Bobby Brooks, who's going to be filling in for Paul Sullivan today. And just as our studio phone rang, I saw Bobby out the window on the phone, so I was... Thought that was sort of interesting. Uh, some some news uh, around. Yes. 
Lacola didn't want to go on the air, but he's still on the, the window tint. Yep. Um, if they've got all these window tint laws, how are they going to enforce the basically the distracted driving from cell phones and holding cell phones? How can you? That's enforce why. That? That's why you can only have a thirty-five percent. That's why we have thirty-five percent laws and seventy percent laws, so you can still see inside the car. That's the reason. So, um, and and the other reason, the other reason too. One of the reasons that we're going to. Um, in Rhode Island first, there is going to be a hands-free or handheld phone ban coming in June because it makes for easier enforcement of uh, cell phone law, you know, uh, texting laws and so forth. Because they're going to say in June in Rhode Island, they're going to say if you pick up the phone and you're on the phone, um, it's illegal. And obviously, if you have the phone in your hand, you're texting. So... Uh, or dialing, or doing something you shouldn't do. Massachusetts is trying to pass similar laws. And even though we know, as traffic safety professionals, that it really doesn't make a huge amount of difference whether you're on the phone or on a hands-free phone because it's the conversation that's the problem. But for enforcement issues, it is much easier to say this is the case and this is why it happens. So um, I don't know. Whatever it was that was in my head just went away. Uh, our phone number again, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Rick in Boston via long distance in New York. Yeah, I'm a, it's a little to the west of Rochester right now. <laughs> is it, is it, is it um, snowing in Rochester? No, it's not. It's cloudy, but it's not snowing. That's good because um, it, it, it generally takes about six hours for the New York weather to get here, so. That's all good, then. Yeah. Um, well, I was, kind of, I was on the uh, freeway in the Mass Pike uh, today, or yesterday, and that, it crossed my mind, um, you know, a lot of cars were going, let's try to say a little bit over the speed limit. Mm-hmm. And, that. and with these, um, the self-driving cars that will be coming out, um, will they, uh, in the self-driving cars enforce can they speed? the speed limit? Or? Can they speed, is what you mean? Uh, no, they so, should. They should only go the speed limit. And well, my thought was that are they going to have a? You know, I'm sure they will at least at the beginning have an uh, override switch where the driver could. Oh sure. Throw the switch. Yeah. Take. Yep. Yeah. Just like Tesla now, Tesla actually reads the reads the signs and it actually knows the speeds on the highway. So in in theory, if you're in a Tesla and the speed limit is 65, it's never going to go 65. Can you push on the accelerator and go 165? Sure, if you want to. But if you want to leave it in in autonomous mode, in self-driving mode, it's going to do the speed limit, or it's going to slow down because of traffic in front of you. But it what that And that's kind of the reason about safety is... Um, if everybody's kind of going the speed limit and they're all leaving a safe distance, in theory, nobody runs into each other. So, yeah, well, actually, you just gave me a, a, a thought, and that you know the um, now you said you said the, the read the the signs and that. Mm-hmm. Um, what about fall weather? You know, fogs and stuff like that. You know, um, how are they going to take that into consideration? Elfin magic. They're gonna. They, uh, no, there. Once wh- what happens with all with all current self driving technology, it works till it doesn't. So, in other words, if the system becomes um, uh, hampered because of weather conditions, 
it's going to actually start to shut itself down and you will have to manually take over. But And same thing if you're driving down the road and the, uh, the state just uh, assaulted and sanded the roads and you can't see the lines in the road, well, it's going to be hard for that vehicle to stay centered in the roadway. So because of that, you know, the system's going to start to shut itself down. Same thing if you drive, if you're the first person on the road and they haven't plowed the road yet and there's no lines and the car knows that it's going to start to lose traction because the the traction system, the traction control system may kick in and out knowing that the wheels are starting to slip a little bit. It'll, just like cruise control, when cruise control, if you set your cruise control at 50 miles an hour and you're driving down the road and you hit a patch of ice and the wheels suddenly speed up, it shuts the cruise control down. So um, same thing, same thing, only more sophisticated with self-driving. Okay. It's just a couple things that yeah. just stopped to this old Foggy's mind. Yeah. How, how about how about self-driving motorcycles? <laughs> yeah, well, I was, I was surprised when I found out they actually have airbags for motorcycle riders. Yeah. Yeah, well, they have them in two ways. You can buy, you can, I saw BMW had one built into the tank, but I guess now you can buy a jacket that has an airbag in it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that makes more sense than just one in, on a tank because there's so many different directions you can go. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you turn into a big, you look like you, you look like you got wrapped in bubble wrap, right? Well, I'm thinking more like the uh, Michelin man. Well, either way, either way. So you bounce around yeah. the road and you're fine. Yeah. So, well, nice to hear from you, Rick. Okay, Dan, have a good one. All right, you Bye. as well. Take care. Bye bye. 617 is how you get through. You look like you had something to say. You had your finger on the button. Uh, I was just getting ready in case there just was case, something. Yeah. Just in case. No, a good producer's always ready for that. I, I'm I've not heard saying that. I'm a good producer that. or anything, can, but. Can, when are we going to move you up to executive producer? That's that's your call. It's your yeah. show. All right. All right. Yeah. Um, there's a uh, there there was a article in Automotive News and it was from the Detroit Auto Show and we talked about this with George Kennedy a little bit sort of hits and misses and this is what the folks at Automotive News came up with uh, the hit the Ram fifteen hundred it's easy to imagine Fiat Chrysler automobiles boss Sergio Marchione giving his truck team a blank check on this order spend whatever it takes to get the best pickup you can nearly everything is new from the wheels up. Weight is down about 200 pounds. The truck's nine inches longer. The frame's stiffer. The brake's stronger. The body's smoother. The powertrains are updated and upgraded. Inside where the Ram design team really stands out, there's a 12-inch screen with eye-popping clear graphics. Most of the materials on the seats and doors are soft and expensive feeling to the touch. Exactly what you'd expect in a luxury sedan. It just happens to be a truck. Outside, the big rig is toned down over previous generations and perfectly matches the Ram's new premium mission. A hit with a big black asterisk, it says here. Chevrolet Silverado, technically General Motors checked all the right boxes. The option list includes a new inline six-cylinder turbo diesel engine. It's bolted to a 10-speed automatic stuffed into a body that's 450 pounds lighter than the current truck. Highway mileage will be in the 30s for a diesel. Gasoline engines get an industry-first variable cylinder cutoff for a fuel economy gain of 20%. I thought they already had that. The frame is stiffer. The suspension is lightweight. It uh, uses uh, high-strength steel and aluminum body parts. So how can Chevrolet, the Silverado, lose with those? Well, Chevy wrapped all of those uh, in a body with some strange styling cues. The front edges of the fenders near the lower portion of the radiator, for example, look unfinished. And the interior misses the mark by a wide margin. You 
can buy any model with a floor shifter. There's still too much hard plastic. And, uh, oh, you can't buy any model with a floor shifter. And there's too much hard plastic on the instrument panel. Honda Insight, they call that a miss. It might as well be a Kirkland, which I guess is a Walmart brand. It says, uh, or Costco, I guess. It's, uh, it's automotive tofu, it says here. Uh, the stubby, cool CRZ hatchback now uh, gone away was the future-looking car saddled with the buzzy hybrid t- powertrain. It was amazingly slow and didn't even have really great fuel economy, but appearance-wise, it brought back memories of the much-missed CRX. Um, the inside snazzy two-motor gasoline electric drivetrain is capable of 50 miles per gallon, but it's trapped under the hood of a car that is invisible on the road. Ford Ranger, we talked about this a lot. Ford hasn't released any specs for the new North American version, but it appears slightly smaller than its main competitor, the Chevy Colorado and GMC Canyon, and that's not a bad thing. I, I agree. I think the Canyon and Colorado are a little too big. Um, it sports a new steel body, simple leaf uh, spring suspension, and one powertrain choice, a 2.3-liter turbo 4 rated at 280 horsepower, plenty of horsepower, mated to a 10-speed automatic transmission. The chrome grille pays homage to the Super Duty and has Ranger embossed on the edge near the hood. Kind of a nice touch. Um, a miss, the Hyundai Velocitor. Here's the problem. It's been redesigned, but not radically. Uh, it might be better in every way than the old car, but Hyundai Sports Coupe looks pretty much the same, and you can't have the same when everybody's looking for something new. Uh, hit Acura RDX. It's a crossover. It's the right size. It's a larger compact. It's slick-looking. It has CRV underpinnings, so that makes it pretty solid to start off with. It's outfitted with Honda's premium hardware to improve handling and acceleration. Oh, but a slight demerit for the oversized Acura caliper logo on the grille. Yeah, you know, looks are in the eyes of the beholder. I keep saying that. I hit the Volkswagen Jetta. Here's a car with styling that mostly devoid of original thinking, yet all all hangs together well. And I've there's been a bunch of cars lately that, and the Volkswagen GTI, I think, was one. Is anything outstanding with the car? No, but when you package it all together, it becomes a really nice mix of... Um, Comfort, ride, handling, sound, everything that went with it. And I think that's what this um, new jet is going to be. Uh, the people at Automotive News didn't care much for the Infinity Q Inspiration Concept. Uh, it says this is Infinity's take on a Tesla sedan, but with a stylish grilling gasoline engine. Just didn't like it. Mercedes G-Class, note to Ford and Land Rover. This is how you redesign an off-road icon. The new G-Class, apart from headlights and instrument panel, does not stray far from the blocky squared-off design like the original. Let's see what happens with the Ford Bronco and the Land Rover Defender when it comes out. Um, A miss, the GAC Inverge. So that's a Chinese-designed car. They say say it had blemishes in the paint in the side windows. Uh, They just didn't like it. The Lexus LF1 Limitless, it's, uh, it's, it says here, it's not hard to imagine a sleek, low-roof concept crossover in the next RX. Copper color hands, wind hands, copper color hands down wins the best paint job of anything in the show. And a hit, the Toyota Avalon. Sorry, GM, the new Toyota still makes the best Buick. Which is kind of interesting because when the Avalon first came out... And I'm probably not the only one who was semi-creative enough to call it the Park Avalon because it just reminded me of a Buick Park Ave. And uh, the Avalon is uh, uh, Buick's a Buick, and Buick's trying to become something else. 
And Toyota says, we're going to build an Avalon that appeals to people that liked older Buicks. And there's nothing wrong with that. Big, comfortable car. So um, I was talking to a guy I used to work with, and he's car shopping. He has a Buick. And um, he's not a typical Buick buyer because I think he bought it 10 years ago when he was 40-something. So he wasn't a typical Buick buyer. And, but he likes comfortable cars. And he's now he's looking for something kind of all-wheel drive. He has to get to work. Um, so he's kind of looking at Subarus. And he was at a Buick dealer. And they tried to talk him into a Buick. But they also said to him something about his trade-in value. And they said, you know, we can only really give you like $500 for your car. And he said to him, well, why would I want to buy another car if the trading value is so terrible on it and if it holds its value so poorly, which I thought was a really good comeback when they offered him so little for his car. Um, you know, they're saying, well, Buicks are great cars or this or that. And he's like, well, why, why would I buy another one if they lose their value so fast, which I thought was kind of well, was a pretty quick answer on his part. So, yeah. What did they say? Did they, get uh, they, better? they just kind of shook their head and walked away. So. <laughs> um, couple questions. Um, like, on what do you what is your overall feeling on Kia? I would buy one. Um, Kia is owned by Hyundai. Yep. Um, I think they are. They're also competitors with each other. So even though they're owned by the same company, they're competitors with each other. They share a ton of technology. Essentially, the same engine that's in a Hyundai is going to be in a Kia. Kia just came out with a new car called the Stinger, which looks really really good. Um, it's a it's like sports coupe or sports sedan. Think like BMW 5 Series kind of thing. Um, Quality-wise, they're good. You get a lot in your, you know, you get a lot of car for your money still. Uh, I rented a Kia Sportage when I was in Florida a couple weeks ago. I liked it enough where I might, as I'm shopping for a replacement for my Santa Fe, that might work because the Sportage has gotten a little bit bigger. Um and where the Santa Fe's also got bigger, so the Sportage might kind of fit in between and it felt comfortable enough inside of it. Um, in comparison to um, a Ford Escape or a Toyota 4 I'm asking because Libby is going to be in the market for these types of vehicles pretty soon. Um, she wants a 4Runner? She likes Toyota. She wants an SUV, and she likes Toyota. Um, she likes Ford Escape. 4Runner's pretty trucky. Okay. So she might get, a, depending on if she feels trucky or not, because it does ride firm, it's more of a it's more of a real off road capable Toyota as opposed to a Rav or a Highlander. Oh, Highlander! That's the, okay. no, sorry, okay. sorry, my my mistake. Yep. So Highlander, Highlander, more Highlander is kind of based on a Camry, um, which she has now. Yeah, and the Rav is more based on a Corolla. Uh, the The Highlander's gotten bigger over the years, so some people find the Highlander almost too big now. Um, but no, uh, you know, good choice. Would I look at a Kia Sorento as a replacement for a Highlander? Maybe. Um, you're not going to get the same resale value because Kia Kia as as Kia and Hyundai, as good as they are, don't hold their value like Toyota products do. Okay. Um, but it's certainly worth looking at. Um, what was the other one? Um, Ford Escape. Ford Escape. Mm, not a big fan. Okay. Um, she just likes the Escape because it was like we had that tribute forever. Yeah. yeah. And the and, tribute was just awesome. Yeah, no, the uh, you had you had good luck with yours. Um the new escape just it doesn't 
appeal to me on a couple different levels, and I have a hard time kind of figuring out why. Um, I would look at a CX-5, the Mazda CX-5, which is, or the or, the, or even smaller, the CX-3. But the CX-5 is more in the category she's looking at, Highlander-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I still say Mazda is one of those best kept secrets. Nobody thinks about them, and they're good. They're good cars. Um, Mitsubishi, if they ever get serious about building cars, will build some good stuff too. So, um, one of the other things I did this week, and I've never done this before, I was asked to go to a Toyota dealership to be a guest speaker with a bunch of new Toyota owners, and I was invited up to Wellesley Toyota, which is owned by the Cole family. And they also own Lev Kia. And what a nice place. Um, the dealership itself is a LEED certified building, so it's all green. And, you know, they, for instance, they can't really wash cars in there and, and things like that because, um, because of environmental reasons. Uh, but all the lighting is all the lighting's LED. All the tile is recycled glass. Um, they use kind of a pit stop. Uh, service technique where two people work on your car at sort of double time. So a typical service because two people are doing the same job um, is like a sporting event. They yell out to each other. You know, they yell back and forth like we did. I did this. You do this. I do. And a typical oil change is like 20 minutes and it's done well. Um, the family, the co-family, um, I met the father and the son, and the father, they're from Singapore. And the father came here in 1968 on some sort of scholarship. He dropped out of college. His son calls him a dropout. Dropped out of college and became a mechanic. And at some point, he bought a car dealership. It didn't do that well. And then he bought, then he bought the, got the Toyota franchise. And they own, like I said, they own Wellesley Toyota. They own Lev Kia. They own an independent repair shop in Cambridge, which I thought was kind of weird and interesting, and two full body shops. And the father, just really, really nice guy, you know, talks about, you know, so grateful that he had the opportunity to do what he did and has the opportunity for his son. Um, All the employees that were there, I didn't talk to anybody who was there who'd been there for less than 10 years. Uh, one of the mechanics I talked to, uh, been, been with Toyota for like 30 years, but has been there since the day they opened the door. The parts guys have been there like 15 years. And what they did is they had, um, they had, uh, the, the owners come out and chit chat a little bit. And then they had me come out and chit chat for 15 or 20 minutes. And then they had the service director come out and chit chat a little bit. Then the parts guy come out. Then they had two representatives from Toyota come out to try to field the awkward questions. The like, um, there was one woman who said, "Well, I bought a Sienna van. I like the Sienna van. I hate leather seats. I want to cloth seats. But the only way you can get the power lift tailgate is with the leather seats. And I'm short and I can't reach the tailgate, and it's a real pain." And they're like, "Why can't you do something about that?" And um, so they tried to kind of dance their way around why that's the case and and they want to know if um they want to know if if you could add the power tailgate to the non-power tailgate car and the head technician from the dealership said and it's kind of interesting the bus network won't support it so it tells you how sophisticated that 
the system is that it uses a basically like a computer network of wiring to make all this stuff work. And it's 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 fascinating how how it all how it all works and how it's put together. So really really interesting stuff. But um, the the customers that were there um, seem to really like doing business there. Uh, just uh, it was it was a it was a really good experience. And um, and I I had never been there before. They also dabble with um, some Highline cars. But what's interesting, I asked um, the son. Nye, I think his name is, Nyko, um, what he drove. Or I said, what does your dad drive? He drives a, drives a Camry, a used Camry. And I said, what do you drive? And he said, I drive a 10-year-old BMW. But he did say he was actually going to pick up a new Kia Stinger. Um, but they drive sort of, they don't drive, you know, the fastest thing on the market. But he asked me what I – because I mentioned the car that I was driving and some of the features that were in it. And he said, what was it? And I said, oh, it's a BMW 740e. And he said, oh, the e, that's the new one. That's the 2018 model. So he's very – they're very up on car stuff. So they're not just up on Kia and Hyundai and, – I mean, Kia, Hyundai, and I suppose Hyundai and uh, Toyota. But they're very, very well-versed in everything they have. Why don't we take another break and if we uh, – if all things come the way they're supposed to be, we'll be talking with Mike Pennington from McGuire's when we get back. Well, the other day I went out my way to some Saturday tracks there. Welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Remember, you can hear us online on WROLradio.com. You can uh, tell any one of your electronic devices, WROL app, and you'll get that as well. So you have all kinds of ways to get through and uh, hear us. So so there's all kinds of all kinds of ways to get through and, and uh, listen to the Car Doctor Program. So it's all it's all good. So, and of course, there's also TuneIn Radio and and all kinds of stuff. So, with us on the phone is Mike Pennington from McGuire's. Michael, it's been a long time. Welcome back. It has it has been, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to be back on. And uh, well, you know, here out in New England, uh, the roads are still salty. There's potholes everywhere. Cars are filthy. What can what can McGuire's teach us about that? Well, it's interesting you talk about that because even during winter time, you know, there's a couple of things to think about, and and even during winter, you don't think of car care, but you're not necessarily doing car care, you know, for beautification. In many cases, you're doing car care for the protection value side of it during those during those tough months. Mm. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and I I kind of did this as an experiment years ago. I had a car that was kind of dirty and faded and didn't look that good and i went and went to a car dealership and you know pretended like i was going to go trade it in this i guess when i had less to do in my life pretended like i was going to trade it in and they gave me whatever the trade-in value was and then i took it home and i washed it and waxed it and vacuumed it and shampooed the interior and and uh you know dressed up the tires and cleaned it and didn't go crazy with it 
but got the paint so it looked better. And amazingly, uh, probably three hours work, it suddenly was worth about $1,500 more in a trade in. Oh, that is awesome. And we actually hear that a lot. And, you know, it's funny during the winter months, we even get a lot of calls because at the, you know, during Christmas time and the end of the year sales, uh, a lot of people get new cars. So even in the dead of winter, when parts of the country are, you know, uh, cold, we get those same calls. What do I do? When can I work on my vehicle? You know, that first sunny weekend, am I allowed to protect and put a coat of wax on, on my new car, whether it was a present or you splurged and got one for yourself? And we were like, absolutely, the sooner you get a coat of protection on that on that vehicle, the better. And uh, we just did a couple of great stories on Carnuba versus Polymer. And for quality of protection and um, length of protection, especially during the winter, you're going to grab probably any type of polymer synthetic. Okay. You know, any of our ultimate products are going to be great. And that's just going to be more durable. And even though some people still like Carnuba, that's great. And we as all manufacturers make those. But really look for a synthetic polymer for maximum protection and, and get that on that new car as soon as you can. That's probably one of the biggest things to protect against winter. So years and years ago, they used to say something like, well, you know, when you buy a new car, you should wait six months before you wax it. That's that's not the case at all, right? Yeah, and, and I think there's a little bit of misconception there because, you know, a new car, if you think about it, gets, it's painted much differently than a, a refinish like at your local body yep. shop. Mm-hmm. So those manufacturers use robots and, and high baking and, and a little bit different material, and then by the time they're actually put together, transported, get to that dealer, you buy it, and it gets to your house, it's been plenty of time to, you know, let's call it cure. Yep. Unlike a refinish paint when, you, unfortunately, you got to go to a body shop and get either, a, you know, a fender or, and heaven forbid, the entire car painted, there's where that curing process of about – yeah, sometimes they'll say 30, 60, even 90 days before you put protection there. So new car, different story. Let's talk Let's talk terminology a little bit. Is there something different between polish and wax? Oh, that's a great – there sure is. And unfortunately, there's a lot of confusion out there for everybody. But really, there's kind of three main categories when you talk about paint care um, in general, no matter if it's wintertime or, or summertime, it's all the same. And that's really – Compounds, I think we've all heard that and used that over the years, that's designed to remove scratches, swirls, stains, and really prepare the finish for polish. And that's really that second step. And polishing is all about creating high gloss. You know, the darker the color, they're really going to benefit from a polish. You're going to see that wetness come out. You're going to see that just next level of, of gloss that you're all looking for. Unlike a white car, you may not see that. So we talk about polishing these days. Uh, You know, if it's used as a verb, that's great. I'm going to go polish my car this weekend. But from a chemistry perspective on a white or light color car, they're really optional these days because paint is so good. And they offer no protection. Look at that. We have an English lesson and a car care maintenance lesson. (laughs) And then waxing. Here goes that same scenario. I'm going to go wax my car this weekend. Well, a lot of times people physically mean, let's put a coat of protection on my vehicle. It's almost like sunscreen. You know, polish is like lotion, and protecting or waxing is like sunscreen. So there's kind of those three distinct levels, and every car is different. 
and every person's needs are different. But during those winter times, you know, the sooner you can get, in fact, in some cases, um, we'll tell people prep for winter by making sure you got a good coat of polymer on there. But if you haven't got to it yet, the first time there's any glimpse of, you know, let's call it a little bit of heat in the air, you know, depending on where you're at, that could be different de- descriptions. <laughs> well, today today yeah. in the Boston area, it's going gonna, it's gonna to reach 50 degrees. Yeah, oh, that's, you know, this time of the season, that's gigantic. So get out there, give your vehicle a wash, and that's an important part. You know, people kind of chuckle when we tell them to keep your car washed during winter, and they're like, why would I do that? Well, you're you're getting all the salt. You're getting all those that debris that's collected in the wheel wells and on those inner fender wells and, and inner barrels and, and undercarriage. You want to get off that as soon as you can because you're, it's a prevention scenario. So do that even though it's a dead of winter. Go to a self-serve car wash. Wait till it's like a weekend like this weekend is and get all that off of there. Yeah, it's uh, the only thing we don't want you to do, though, if don't do that just before a prediction of zero degree weather because then you're going to call you're going to call my full-time job up at AAA and say, "Hey, I'm frozen out of my car. What can you do about it?" So, maybe not that, that day, but yeah. Yeah, so that's probably part B of that story. Yeah, yeah exactly. For sure. Yeah, has anyone come out with a product that's really designed to clean the salt off a car besides a good car wash product? Um, there are some good things, chemicals, but they're pretty harsh. Yeah. Um, the best thing you can do is really high pressure is your good, your best friend. So that's where some of those, whether you've got an electric or a gas pressure washer yourself, yep. or you go to one of those self-serve yep. wands, they become super friendly on the undercarriage. Again, those wheel wells. And then just take your time and work your way around that car. And obviously the paint glass, you can manually do that yourself with a mitt and a sponge and even those wands. But again, part two of that is be careful with those high pressure wands on the paint and don't get too close to the painted areas because if you're not careful, next thing you know, you're going to cause a little bit of damage there too. Let's talk about washing for a minute. One bucket, two buckets, fresh water. What do you like? Gosh, well, certainly two buckets. And in some cases, people talk three buckets these days, but bare minimum two buckets. Uh, That one bucket is going to be your wash solution um, with all the suds and, and everything. And the second bucket is going to be your rinse bucket. And that's where you're going to transfer, once you rinse the car down, high pressure, the majority of the debris off, you're going to grab out of that fresh bucket of uh, automotive safe car wash, rinse a section at a time, then go back to that clean water-only bucket and use that as really to clean that mitt out. Um, get rid of the debris that that wash mitt's picked up, then wring it out really good, go back to your normal wash, pick up wash solution, and, and work that transition all the way around that car. Uh, the third bucket, potentially, people are using for wheels and tires. So that may be low, not necessarily an overkill, but in some cases, if you're very concerned, which is great, that third bucket becomes standard wash solution with a whole separate wash mitt, and that's going to be your, you might even have a couple wheel brushes in there and yep. use that for your wheels. So two minimum, three, that's great. And uh, and then then you have to look at, like you said, you got to clean um, drying the car off, uh, you know, towel dry. Um, I got in trouble with the anti-leaf blower people by saying use a leaf blower to dry your car off. Um, 
That, those are great because the the less you can potentially touch your car, especially with the wrong drying cloths, but even take that a step further. I personally use a blower as well, and many people do. I guess you got to be cautious of you know, who's watching you in your neighborhood at what and what time you're doing that at. Uh, but they're great for getting all that water out of the mirrors and the emblems and around the license plate and you know the all the tail lights and headlight and grill and even wheels. Those kind of blowers come in really handy, and a lot of professionals use them all the time. Yeah, they, yeah, they, I I think they work good. I I tried to say, you know, I only use an electric one when I advocated for it, so you know, probably a little less pollution, but and noise pollution, Absolutely, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, um, but uh, you know, we you know we look at we look at the car. We want to make sure it looks good. Sometimes a lot of people forget things like the rubber weather stripping, but you guys have products for that too, right? Absolutely. You know, if you think of, you know, there's really the outside of a vehicle, the wheels and tires and the inside, and all that weather stripping. And you want to make yourself uh, get a good water-based uh, protectant, uh, like we've got in it, the natural shine uh, to supreme shine. And uh, while you're working on that inside, you can literally take a foam applicator and some of these UV protectants and work those. And that will keep those soft, supple. And when you close those doors, they're not going to get brittle, especially this time of the year. You know, nothing's nothing's going to trump Mother Nature ever. Yeah. <laughs> but you can certainly slow it down and take care of that vehicle. And, you know, on the inside of your car during, you know, the, the cold months like right now, taking care of that inside is also just as important as the outside. And, you know, don't let that moisture. Get yourself a good set of winter mats. Um, clean out that interior. Make sure to get that if you get any snow or anything that carries over onto the onto the other non-winter mats, clean that up, vacuum it up, take care of that leather, especially protect that leather, kind of like that protection on the outside. Mm-hmm. There's great, we make a great gold-class leather sealant that you can lay down on that leather. And, again, slow down and stop when you've got water on your, on your pants, when you've got yep. any kind of dirt, debris that may transfer. You spill something, you know, it'll give you that chance to wipe it up safely and not do any permanent damage. So think about even that interior during these winter months. There's some little things you can do to get you through winter, and then when springtime comes, here comes spring cleaning. It's really time to, to dive in and get it looking beautiful at that. So you can really go enjoy your car and be proud. Yeah, and a lot of people here in New England, what they'll do is they'll keep their cars through the winter with the idea, well, I don't want to buy a brand-new car at the end of the year and drive it through winter and, you know, God forbid someone runs into me uh, because of snowy, icy, whatever, poor conditions. But by doing this and maintaining the appearance inside and outside like you said you're going to hold you're going to help maintain the value of the car and even improve it so when it comes you know when april rolls around and you decide maybe it's time to go buy a car or you wait till you know the president's day weekend which is a big in theory a big time to go buy cars um you know your your car is suddenly worth more because it's clean and looks like it you take care of it and the less the dealership has to do to your car the they save money too. So by maintaining it, it it's, it maintains its value and improves its value, right? Yeah, you did. You know that little almost mini study, party of one with you. But there's a lot of great studies out there that talk about trade in value and resale value is is much higher on a car that's in great shape. But even my experience, you know, buying used vehicles over the years, you know, there's nothing better when you walk up to that used vehicle as a buyer. And you see the exterior and the interior is clean. You're like, this car has been well taken care of. And you assume the motor, the drivetrain, and everything else 
I'm going to pay top dollar for that car. So absolutely 100%. Uh, there's there's benefits there. Okay, before we let you go, two tricky New England problems. Uh, tree, <laughs> tree sap is always one, and uh, uh, yes. and we'll call it uh, environmental bird damage. <laughs> <laughs> nice choice of words. Uh, how do we how do we take care how do we take care of sticky tree sap that ends up on our car? Well, the the sooner you can get tree sap off, the better, because while it is still a little bit, uh, let's call it um, sticky is the great word, or soft, you can actually take spray detailers, some waterless car washes, and actually it will come off fairly easy. Now, yep. that all relative now, but the minute that begins to harden up, uh, whether it's the fine pitch or the larger globules, then you're going to have to get into some other, uh, could be potentially clay, or you're going to get into some sap removers that are out there you can buy in the store that are fantastic, like our smooth surface clay kit for the small little, yep. uh, let's call it pitch, I guess yep. it would be called. Mm-hmm. But there's some great sap chemicals. Once that, you're going to want to soften it, lubricate it up. Then the key there is get a coat of wax over the top whether that's you removed it, but more importantly, yep. if you put that coat of protection on beforehand, it buys you a little bit of time. It's going to allow that sap to come off even easier. And that's almost the same story with bird droppings. Um, if it's fresh, grab yourself our water, ultimate waterless wash and wax, our quick detailer, lubricate it, wet it. You don't want to ever wipe it dry because that's going to scratch it. Yep. Take your microfiber, wipe it, and, you're, and it's removed very easily. If that bird dropping is hard... Unfortunately, let's say it's hot out, yep. you don't get to it for a couple of days. Don't wipe it dry. You're going to scratch it. Yep. Spray, 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 saturate. I guess the word could be rehydrate it. I don't yeah. know if that's even working there, but it's <laughs> soften it, lubricate it, and it's going to wipe right up. So we like to say, and Barry, I learned this from Barry 29 years ago, frequent car care is easy car care, even during the winter months. It makes a lot of sense. You may change a couple of the steps you do or why you're doing it, but, tw- you know, 12 months a year, frequent car care is easy car care. Well, Barry years ago said to me, if that happens, and this was, you know, and maybe, you know, b- maybe before the engineers got to it, he would say go out there with a, a saturated cloth with mayonnaise on it and put it on top of the bird droppings and that would soften it and then go out there afterwards and you know try to try to flood it with water and wash it off and then and then wax it afterwards so so uh, uh mayonnaise maybe i don't know well I, I think like you said you nailed it before some a little bit more technology came into play that worked and technically that would still work because you talked about it you're just trying to wet rehydrate and soften yep. so nowadays there's a lot of spray products that you can spray and, and wet, or even in some cases, hey, heck, if you want to try that mayonnaise thing, it still works today. Yeah, there you, there <laughs> you go. There, there you go. Hey, um, before we let you go, uh, all of this information, you have great stuff on your website. How, how do you get to that? Where is it? Tell us how to find it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, All of our products are available just about any auto parts, so we know that. But hit us up at com or Meguiar's USA on Facebook, all those social channels. But even take that a step further, there's a lot of people that like to still talk to us, you know, yep. talk to a true expert. And we, you know, 29 years ago I started in the same department, and we still have our solutions hub. It's a great group of guys that know their stuff. They're all car crazy, and they can be reached six days a week. They're open today, actually, right now at 800 
347-5700. So we're available just about any way you want to talk to us with videos, in person, hit us up at a show. In fact, I'm getting ready to go to the Grand National Roadster Show today. I can't wait to see some of those beautiful vehicles out here. Yeah, I know. I called the 800 number once because I, I wanted to know the the safe way. That I, I left my car for a week. I came back, and it looked like a... Uh, it looked like an elementary school um, art project. There were leaves stuck to it, and the, when I washed the leaves off, there were still prints of leaves stuck to it. And I talked to your folks, and they told me how to carefully and safely wash it and and get the staining off and then how to get the paint back looking good again and then getting, getting a good coat of finish on it so it was good and shiny again. So, yeah, your your group is good. And the other the other plug I want to give for you, I was at a uh, detailing shop, a reconditioning shop one day. I walked in and I noticed all the products they used were Meguiar's. And, they, and I said, how, how come Meguiar's and not some of the other, you know, more, I guess, more generic uh, recon shop products? And they said, you know, I've been using this since I was a kid with my own car. And he said, "I'm a big fan, and they have they have a product for everything I need." What well, great stories! Thank you for that. And that's I think a thread that kind of you know goes through a lot of the comments we hear back, whether they're professionals like that recon shop, or a first time do it yourself or a first time car owner is, you know, you got to give kudos to Barry and his dad and his grandfather. Yep. As we hear, the products simply do what they say they do. So uh, I know I'm very proud to work here and honored to to talk car care with Meguiar's brand, but it's, it's fun and exciting. And, you know, what a concept. The product does what they do. You know, sometimes in life these days, that doesn't happen very often. There you go. Hey, I want to see some pictures of the roadsters on the Meguiar's Facebook page. There, we're, I, that's part of my job today to snap some shots and put them up there. So you will see them. You will see them coming. All right. Hey, Mike, thanks for taking some time out of your Saturday morning. I know you're out in California, so it's uh, three hours earlier. So thanks for getting up at 630 in the morning and joining us. Always, and it's always a pleasure, John. I appreciate the invite. All right. Take care. Bye-bye now. You too. Bye-bye. Mike Pennington from McGuire's. Do we still have Brian on the phone who's been on the phone forever from Derry, New Hampshire? Brian. John. Yes, sir. Still there, John. How you doing? Good. How are you? All right, John. You mentioned about the the vehicles there. uh, You know that Subaru and Honda, they have the the highest resale values when you drive off the lot? Oh, yeah. In the dealership? Yep. Yeah. That's why you see a lot of them on the road. Oh yeah, I mean that, and they they last, and you know Subaru Subaru without a doubt builds builds a good product. Um, it's uh, it's they've had their challenges. I mean they've had they've had head gasket leaks, they've had some oil leaks, they've had some other issues. Uh, the old ones used to uh, start to rust away in the showrooms. Uh, they've fixed all fixed all those problems. There has been some electrical problems in some of the Subarus that have been a bit of a challenge, but. Um, in 2015 and 16 but those you know they're they're working around it they have some they're working on some fixes for that sort of stuff so there are some things out there you're absolutely right yeah and then uh i, I was listening to the guy from gentleman from uh mcguire's that's good products oh yeah and uh the, the, you know we can get rid of tree sap as you use some of that uh nail polish remover yeah nail polish remover works um, i i have used um goof off that that's kind of, good too. Goof yeah, off. yeah, yeah, goof off. Yeah. Same, same kind of thing. You can get, you can get actually go to a hardware store and get acetone. But what you have to do afterwards is you have to make sure you wash the car and wax it. Yes, yes. Funny, you was mentioning the wax. I remember when I was a kid, my father used to say, "Okay, get rested up for Saturday because yep. we're going to go wash and wax the car." There that you was go. The paste wax back in the day. Yep. It was the Vista wax and the gold can. 
Yeah, wax on, wax oh, off. You know, boy, there you go. About elbow grease. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a good product. It lasted a right. long time. It, it did what it was supposed to do. You're right. I don't see that on the market anymore. No, though. I don't. I don't think. I don't think so either. It's you know some of the old paste waxes are are a little hard to find, uh, and a lot of them are kind of owned by the same. But when I have to go, when I go to buy my own wax, I, I got to tell you, I go to the McGuire shelf because I like their products. Um, they put out know, a very good yep, product. Yep. McGuire. No, you're absolutely yeah, right. They very do. And uh, there's some of the tricks that uh, that uh, you could do now. The silicone it has that some salacia or something in it. Special stuff they put in the cat litter. What you could do is put it in an old sock, tie it, leave it in the dashboard or on the console. It removes the uh, condensation yep. in your car from yep. this time of year with the yep. coldness. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I go and buy one of those little. Uh, you know, you buy them. You know, like two for a buck at the dollar store for those. Uh, you know, it's got salt, salt inside a little plastic tub, and it sucks the moisture out of the air. Hey, yeah. Brian, thanks for calling. Yeah, it was nice, nice talking to you. All right. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Take care. Bye-bye let's, now. Let's go real quick to Kevin and Quincy. Kevin. Good luck. Uh, I have a quick question. It's about batteries. Okay. Battery sizes. I have a Ford Ranger, and there was two battery size groups that would fit in it. And when I went to look at one in the store, the smaller one had the more cold cranking amps and uh, power to it. I was wondering if the size actually matters with those. I mean, I mean, you want you you want the battery that's designed to fit in your car, and sometimes the physical size of the battery has little to do with it. I I've even seen, you know, even seen some of the battery holders. They're designed that they'll they fit different size batteries. But you want you want the battery that's made for your car with the right, you know, the the minimum cold cranking amps and the minimum reserve. And sometimes what happens is you can have a small battery that's got big cold cranking amps, but doesn't have great reserve. So if if you have a car with a lot of electrical accessories, then what happens is you, when you shut the car off, it's going to drain that battery a little bit at a time. And when that happens, you need to be you need to be ready because it might not be there. So I always look at reserve capacity and cold cranking amps. Okay, that that sounds great. So I'll just look at the owner's spec rather than yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, can you ahead. you know what you know what what kind of car is it? Oh, it's a Ford Ranger. Yeah. So, I mean, can can you put any kind of battery in there that fits, and will it work? Probably so. You know, but on the other hand, if you want the right battery for the vehicle, look for one with the right cold cranking amps, the one that's going to do its job, and then you'll be fine, and you'll be good for, you know, typical replacement battery, about five years' worth of life. So, you know, you, you, you put a new battery in it, you'll get four or five years out of it, and then, you know, hopefully, hopefully you keep the truck long enough where you put another new battery in it. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye bye now. Bye now. Well, we are just about out of time, and they're wearing his Shamrock Nation shirt. Is Bobby Brooks? Top of the morning to you, sir. Top, top of the morning to you as well. All you right. brought you brought company today. I just a uh, uh, friend of the family coming in, checking it out. Long time listener, <laughs> and is intrigued with the innings and comings and goings of oh. the Irish. Uh, is she going to sing? I don't know. It looks no, like I I, it looked like it looked like she had something in her hand, like she was gonna like she was gonna sing something. Or no, I was hoping she can help me out a little bit, give my give my voice a rest. You know. There you go. What were you uh, were you entertaining last night? Or no, no, no. We oh. uh, no. Actually, it was my son's twenty second birthday. And oh, okay. We all went out for dinner, but it was it was, it was very all, all okay. on the up and up. Right. Very very okay. ni- nice time out. Okay. Uh, it was all good. I, I I know I know you're somebody who goes out to eat, and I know you're somebody who supports our supports our uh, advertisers. Um, where should I go out to eat tonight? What are you in the mood for? I don't know. Food. 
food. Yeah. But you know what? I want. I haven't gone there yet, but I'm real intrigued with the place, the Voyage, down in uh, where is it? Hummerock near Situate. They're okay. One of our sponsors. Yep. I called them, and the menu looks really kind of kind of cool. All right. And kind of good. Right. We almost went there, but if my my younger son had a game in Situate, we're going to go there, but yep. it ended up being canceled. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because I stuff. I know I know you always try to support our listeners. Uh, we do. Yes, yeah. It's important yeah. to do that. Yeah. yeah no. And and, uh, and our sponsors and make sure everything works. So uh, we are just about out of time, and so. We need to get out of the way. Bobby Brooks filling in for Professor Paul Sullivan. He's having, he's uh, just having a little checkup. That's all. He he had, well, he actually had a little checkup today. He's probably, he's probably home hanging around the house going, I could have come in. I could have come in. What do you mean? So uh, the very best in Irish music right here. 50, we're in our 51st year, I guess, actually, of, of uh, Irish music. So right here on the Irish Hit Parade, AM 950 WROL. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, and be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.